Hello, I'm Lauren Humalay, and I am a health educator and an expert in gymotherapy. And I'm very happy to be joined today by my colleague, Megan Limp. Megan, good to have you with me. Hi, Lauren. It's great to be back with you again. So, Megan, we've got a great conversation that we got started, and this was exploring polyvagal theory um, with gymotherapy, which um, I think I could talk for hours about. How about you? I feel the same way. This is probably the most inspiring thing I've come across in a long time. Yeah, very eye-opening. Um, you know, what comes to mind right away is um, uh, the, the Zen Buddhist um, term, the beginner's mind, right? And that's what I feel like we're doing. We're coming back and we're looking at emotional states and people's reaction um, to those emotional states with a beginner's mind um, organized now into these wonderful um, states that polyvagal theory gives us. So Megan, what is polyvagal theory to you if you had to define it or explain it to someone? Yeah, well, interestingly, what you were just saying um, about the beginner's mind really brought up the essence of polyvagal theory for me, which is when our nervous system responds to a stimulus, which we call neuroception, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with running it through a cognitive framework. So sometimes there is a lot of judgment about how we're feeling or confusion or um, intolerance or all these other words, both about what we're experiencing and what our loved ones or clients or friends or larger community are experiencing um, because we're using our cognitive mind with should and shouldn't instead of simply looking at how our nervous system responds to stimulus, identifying how that response um, is mapped out in our autonomic nervous system map with the three states of polyvagal theory and how that affects our ability to connect both with ourselves and others. Oh, beautifully put, Megan. You know, when, when I think of polyvagal theory, um, the word safety comes to mind. And um, growing up with a, a background of trauma, um, safety was something I didn't experience until um, in my midlife, like in my 40s. And I love the word safe, safety and feeling safe. I also love that Deb Dana um, talks about this as coming home. Because when we are safe and we come home, we are so capable of being creative and engaging and um, the, the sky's the limit. But, but when we don't feel safe, then we've limited everything that's possible for us. And, um, you know, today in this particular time period of a pandemic, and there is so much lack of safety or perceived lack of safety, I know so many people can identify with this and can um, think, you know, when they, people talk about, I just want things to go back, 
I think what they mean is they want to go back to a place when they feel safe. Would you agree with that, Megan? I do think. I think the feeling of going home, or which is the comfort of what we remember things were, is the feeling of home. And I think that, as you said, that's a word that Deb Dana uses. And I think most of us have some word, whether it be home or some other word, that we actually are associating with safety. And sometimes when we say feeling safe, it might not be that you're not feeling safe in your mind. You know, we can rational, have these rational thoughts of why we should be feeling safe when we might be getting cues in our body or just a sensation of not feeling safe, even though we don't necessarily understand why. That is still our nervous system um, taking in whatever's happening in that moment as a cue of danger. Um, Megan, that really makes me think about how often um, I've spoken with clients who are frustrated with themselves because their body is responding in one way, but logically they know that that is safe or it's okay or it's not dangerous. And, and what they're, they're responding, the cells of their body hold that memory, right? And um, I think it gives me a perfect lead in into gemotherapy and, and how powerful it can be when we're working with these emotional states in the nervous system and we're trying to, um, as polyvagal theory teaches us to change habitual patterns, we can use extracts that work on a cellular level to support whatever we're doing um, um, in practice, right? And, and so this, this um, gives people um, even more access to that place of safety. I, I don't want to use the term um, speed it up because healing is never about a time frame. But I think it um, adding gemotherapy to a therapeutic approach, um, such as um, polyvagal theory, um, reinforces our ability to be resilient. And we all know that's the word we want to wrap our arms around these days. Yeah, I, I think another beautiful word for the way that gemotherapy can play a role um, is the word catalyst. Mm. Because it's not necessarily that we're speeding up a process, but that we're facilitating a process. And I see um, the potential for gemotherapy and polyvagal to come together by allowing us not to feel like we're at the mercy of our nervous system, but that we're actively engaging and learning how um, to facilitate a state where our nervous system is more flexible again. Because as we talk about dorsal and sympathetic and ventral vagal, the three states of the nervous system, as we get into that, I think it's important to note that the goal isn't to live in one. The goal is to have the flexibility in our nervous system to move through the states back and forth with ease and not get stuck. And so if we think about it through the gemotherapy lens and we even think about the image of a tree, 
you know, we think about the roots and the nourishment of the tree and the stability and the resilience sort of as the trunk and the roots, and then bringing some sort of flexibility when the wind blows. Um, and I think that that's how I see gemotherapy engaging with the states of the nervous system. So let's talk about those states for a minute in case anyone's joining us that isn't very uh, familiar or polyvagal theory is brand new to you. Um, so in, in what polyvagal theory has done, and we can thank Stephen Porges for his um, remarkable insight and articulation of this theory is help us understand that at one time or another, we're in one of three states and, and they're on a continuum and you are, are moving through them up or down or, and, and sometimes I've come to understand we can also be in a mixed state as well. But let's start with um, the dorsal vagal state. And this is um, often referred to as a state of shutdown, right? And um, we um, can certainly recognize that state if we find ourselves in a place that we feel very unmotivated, that we feel hopeless, um, overwhelmed, uh, and disassociated. You know, Megan, that's a term that I know I spent a number of years of my life um, being very. Um, efficient and productive in the shell of a body. Um, but um, I certainly was um, completely disassociated with any of my emotions or what I was feeling. And that was an adaptation um, I had created for survival. And I think many of you listening may identify with that. That is um, being in the dorsal vagal state. Megan, what, what would you add to that? Yeah, so I think that it's important to acknowledge each of these states, that there are certain, certainly situations that come up in life that call for a dorsal vagal response, and that would be the appropriate life-saving response in that moment. Mm -hmm. Dorsal vagal is a state of conserving, conserving energy, conservation to save our life. So that is why we might feel dissociated or fatigued or unmotivated or shut down because that is the initial part of our nervous system that developed 500 million years ago. And that has to do with our reptilian brain, right? So the, the reptilian part of our brain doesn't need connection to survive. And when threatened or receiving cues of danger, the reptilian part of our brain shuts down and thinks that playing dead or conserving our energy completely is the best way to stabilize us. And so when we feel that, we just, we don't want to get up, our creative juices aren't flowing, we can't really imagine connection, and um, just a lot of sort of low, flat energy. Yeah. Dull, that's the word that, that comes up for me, and, and um, very neutral. And anyone that works with um, clients, you can recognize this so easily in, um, them because um, they uh, they often will work, use the word feeling stuck. And this could be stuck in a job, stuck in a relationship, stuck um, living somewhere geographically. 
And the reason that we stay in this state for extended periods of time, so we go there, Megan, right, for a life-saving, to protect us, right? But the reason we stay there is because when we um, mobilize to um, come out, right, to, we don't sense safety. So, or in other terms, we, we sense a danger or a threat. So we begin to mobilize. And this is so important that, that we can all recognize this in, in ourselves. And it's very much like a turtle coming out of their shell, right? And they look around and, am I safe? Whoops, no, I'm not right back inside. And um, if I'm coming out of that shell, and I sense um, a threat, whether it be real or perceived, I have a habitual response. And that habitual response would be to fight and, and see if I can um, neutralize that threat or um, to get out of there, flight, right? Like I'm out of here. I'm gonna get out of here as fast as I can because I need to go back to a place where I'm safe. Megan, what would you add to that? Yeah, so if we go into fight or into flight, and neither one of those, our nervous system is not perceiving either one of those as um, that they will be productive in saving our life, then we will immediately drop down into life conservation, which is just stop, conserve your energy, and sort of flatline into this um, unmotivated, low energy, uh, shutdown place. Yeah. So in, a, in the therapeutic model, um, uh, clients are coached to um, find certain activities, right? That will help interrupt that habitual pattern. And it may be gentle movement, it may be breathing, it may be going out in nature, which all are important and beautiful and I would recommend that. And we come along with a tool um, with gymotherapy to enhance that. And um, this, um, we have certain extracts that can be taken to help mobilize, right? To help um, make that step forward um, so that we can begin to, um, um, connect with others and ourself again. So uh, you're just to be clear, we're discussing now this dorsal vagal state. We're talking about um, what that feels like. And then when we mobilize, we move and we sense um, danger or threat, we um, activate our sympathetic nervous responses, right? And um, so at that point, we also have some other ideas for you with gymotherapy, with extracts that can organize that response. Can you tell us a little bit more about what we've, we've seen happen here, Megan, with these extracts that might help organize? Yes, so um, sympathetic has, sympathetic is a mobilization. So if we think about dorsal as the reptilian part of our brain, that is low energy and shut down. Then 400 million years ago, along came the next state of development in our nervous system, which is the fight or flight, which is 
um, run away from the bear, which is mobilization. But we all know that, you know, many of us actually in our culture um, are both habitualized and rewarded for living in a sympathetic state because a sympathetic state actually increases productivity. So when we think about fight or flight, we might have a negative connotation that comes to our mind. But actually, there are many times where a sympathetic state does bring us a lot of productivity. Again, um, there's nothing inherently positive or negative about dorsal, sympathetic, or ventral. It's our ability to have a flexible nervous system where we can move in and out of them. Um, so sympathetic for me is experienced um, more as almost like my engines are revving too fast. There might be a nice, um, we can be in sympathetic with a little bit of ventral where we're nice and active, but we're not feeling edgy. Um, we're not feeling um, like our engines are revving too fast. We're not feeling um, go, 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 go. Um, but for many of us, when we get stuck in sympathetic, it is um, the voice changes, the body posture changes, um, the voice is a little edgy, the chest might be a little tight, and we feel um, this very task-oriented, over-mobilized state sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, Megan, I just thought of a, an example that I was working through um, in, in the sympathetic state, because I use the sympathetic state um, when I teach. I have to use this, right? And I'm very excited and I um, need to mobilize. I certainly am, uh, have uh, a bit of ventral coming in because I need that to um, connect with my students and, and um, to um, really be in my flow, right? Because that's the, the best part of teaching. But what I found is um, particularly now that we're all teaching online and, and on Zoom and it, we're not walking away and able to talk to people in person, down off of that, I would finish teaching and I would feel really disorganized, very scattered and um, uncomfortable. Like, where, where do I put my energy, right? And, and this is a very important state, I believe. Um, this is a state that... Um, we um, um, see as um, I was moving from some of the ventral into this disorganized sympathetic state. And this comes from some very old patterns. Um, I have that if you're not busy and focused, it might be dangerous. So um, um, learning some little um, actions I could take, like I could walk outside for a few minutes and um, take some breaths, or I could um, do some gentle movement. Um, that really helped me, but I also found there were particular gemotherapy extracts that helped me um, go back to ventral rather than shutting down. Yeah, I think it's important to note here too that um, everybody, language resonates different for different people. So Lauren and I talk about the organization that to welcome some ventral energy into sympathetic or to move and be flexible and not get stuck in sympathetic, but move into ventral, that some of that sympathetic energy and mobilization needs to be organized. I think I've also heard it talked about as 
that we need to discharge some of that sympathetic energy so that we can downregulate just enough to open up to some of that connected and calm ventral energy. Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked about ventral and brought it up a couple different um, times. So let's let's talk a little bit more about it. And um, I think we we can let um, the light of ventral in even when we're at a dorsal state, right? I really see it as um, uh, there can be times where we're feeling shut down, but we can see where we want to be, right? And to me, that's almost like a window opening. And so what I need to get there is mobilization, right? But let's talk about where that window leads, this ventral state of of feeling connected. I mean, we've all had these beautiful experiences. Um, sometimes it's on a retreat with a group of women, right? And, or um, it's, you know, you, you've had a hike and a, a fascinating conversation with someone where you're in this deeply connected state with yourself and that person. That's ventral. That's ventral. Um, Part of what we're doing right now, part of what we're doing, Lauren and I, with each other, and when we get off of this call and we might say, you know, we feel more filled up or more connected. Um, and for those of you watching this or listening to this, you know, I'm sure that you can feel your nervous system responding to us also. This ability to connect and co-regulate this and feel um, filled up and connected, but in a calm um, smooth way that's ventral yeah you know i also want to speak to ventral as um as a writer mm -hmm. and um i know you know i can look at all these states right and see myself trying to write and um putting a pen to paper in dorsal is excruciating mm -hmm. and um and i can't think of any other better word to describe it in sympathetic I can get something done and I can peel it off and it's done and boom. But it isn't super um, connected. It's not connected to my soul always. And it's not until I get that light from ventral vagal and I can put that pen to paper and I don't even think about the words that are being written, right? This is the real true beautiful connection in ventral vagal and i think we could apply that to all sorts of creative activities whether it be dance or musicians um my husband oh, go ahead megan i was just going to say even just doing our day i think that we can all discern the difference in how we feel when we have what we want to get accomplished that day so we'll call that our to-do list and if we push 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 push, 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 and rev, 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 rev to get it done. I think that that is sympathetic energy. But we can also pause and welcome in a little bit of connection with ourselves of when it's time to sit down and you know have a cup of tea and then get up and do the next task and continue to nourish ourselves and feel connected both with ourselves and others in the midst of being productive. That's sort of where um, ventral and sympathetic can come together. Oh, I love that. I, I love that term welcome in. And I think that that is something we can all um, apl apply and imagine. 
you know, what today, in this very day that you've experienced, have you welcomed in and, and been present with? Because there is no way you can be in ventral without being present. There's no way you can be present without being in ventral, right? But what um, have you just pushed through and just got done? And we all know life requires that. That's why we've been gifted with the sympathetic nervous system. We just need to use it in a way that is productive right? That doesn't, um, um, rem doesn't keep us in these habitual loops of, um, okay, now I'm fighting and or flighting and whoops, there I am back down and shut down, right? And um, th that certainly is a place that each of us can look back on our life and say, oh yeah, yeah, I, that was the time I was really trapped in a loop. Megan, I think we've, we've covered this really well. What else do you want to add today? Uh, as a last comment, I think that the further that I get into my exploration with polyvagal theory, the more I think that the analogy almost of a muscle is helpful for me to understand that the ability to be flexible and move through the states almost it takes practice and it takes um, some, maybe some general therapy extracts. And like Lauren said, maybe some new lifestyle changes of different exercises or breathing or general therapy or uh, for each of us, uh, what helps us change state is going to be a little bit different, but it does come easier with practice. And most of us have one or two of these states that have become our MO, um, where we go, particularly when we're triggered. And so I'm thinking about it as a muscle that I'm working and developing and honing that allows me to move through the states uh, with more uh, understanding and compassion uh, for myself. Yeah. That word compassion continues to come up. And I think. Um, as you move further, all of you move further into understanding polyvagal theory, and you will not only have more compassion for yourself, but all those um, whose lives you touch, because um, you'll you'll understand that it's not a, no longer about good or bad. It's just what is, right? Just Megan, anything else? That was beautifully said. Okay. Well, thank you, everyone. Looking forward to sharing more. Thank uh you. -huh.